I thought that 50% of people in America, the children in America, are being raised by one parent. Joe just mentioned to me that it's gone up one more percent. So more than half of the children in this world, in this country of ours, are being raised by one parent. We have several single mothers in our church, and I look upon them as some of the most courageous and godly people that I know, the ones that are honestly serving God. They carry the burden of work and caring for their children and being the one who guides and directs and strengthens and encourages them. And, of course, as a church, we stand by them and thank God for them and pray for them. So I'm going to talk tonight about the law of your mother, the law of your mother. And then you'll find that scripture that I'm coming from in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon their heart. Tie them around your neck. When you when you roam, they will lead you. <coughs> they will lead you. And when you sleep, they will keep you. And when you uh, and and when you awake, they will they will speak with you. For the common, <coughs> for the command, the Lord of the Lord. Commend the Lord, man, the, the law of the Lord to all the children. What a what a responsibility and what a privilege we have as believers to shape and mold the lives of our children. And so the Scripture said, "Keep the commands of your father, and forsake not the law of your mother." I had a I was blessed with a wonderful, godly mother. And my father was a wonderful man of God and taught and preached and we lived in uh, small churches and difficult places and very little materially. And, and uh, as a family, my brother and I, we, we, we worked from, I had a job from the time I was seven years old. But we had a loving family. And we knew God was first and God was faithful and God loved us and our parents loved us. And my mother had commandments that she gave us. There's one thing that I remember. She knew each one of us well. My brother was a wonderful guy. He hardly ever did anything wrong. I, sometimes I, growing up, I wished that he would blow it once in a while, make, him look, make me look a little better. But his whole life, I'm, I know that everyone's born a sinner, but I, we, I never caught him at it. He was honestly one of the most faithful persons. He spent 50 years of his ministry in the Middle East, ministering to people in Iran, living there with the people, and sharing the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ in some of the most dangerous and difficult places in the world. But my brother saw things differently than I did. When something happened and something went wrong, my mother would say, What happened? And I saw things in a very colorful way. And I would give a very interesting explanation for why this wasn't done or that was neglected. 
And then I would go on with this great story, and my brother would say, my mother would look at me and know I was not really hitting the mark of integrity and veracity. And she would say to my brother, Jimmy, what really happened? What really happened? I remember a time when I was in the third grade in Casper, Wyoming. I'm sorry, fifth grade. I don't even know if I was in school, but anyway, it's a long time ago. I sort of remember what I had for breakfast, but I'm not sure. Anyway, forget the date. I was short at that particular time. And in doing the dishes, I noticed a little church out of wood, a little white church with a green roof on it. And I took it down, and I found out that by pressing this little place that looked like it had a fingerprint on it, it opened up. And inside of it were thousands and thousands of dollars, I thought, because the most I'd ever had was 50 cents. And I pulled out one bill because I said no one would ever miss that. And I put it in my pocket, and I thought, boy, I can't wait to go to school tomorrow. I went to school. And I, after recess, after the lunchtime, there was a little grocery store called Don's Grocery Store just near the school, right across from the school. And I invited my friends, and especially Sally Sasso, who I thought was so cute, to go over to the store with me. And I said, I'm going to buy all of you whatever you want. And they all got their treats and everything else, and I gave him a $20 bill, it turns out. And he gave me back so much change, I didn't know what in the world to do with it. And so I told them, I want to divide it up among all of you, and you can take it home to your mother. Don't tell your mothers, don't tell your dad to take it home. And, and we'll meet tomorrow and spend the rest of it and, or whenever, however long it takes. And suddenly I went home and somebody rang the doorbell of the parsonage. And a mother said, your son gave my daughter a $10 bill and we're bringing it back. And I thought, man, I'm in trouble. So my dad said, son, where did you get all that money? I said, well, there was a stockyard not too far, maybe a mile from our house. And I used to love to go down there and watch them load cattle. And I said, dad, they were having a lot of trouble getting some of the bigger cows into the, into the boxcars. And so they paid me a dollar a cow to ride the 10 worst cows into the boxcar with them. And he said, son, that's an amazing achievement. Anyway, he finally ended up getting to the seat of my problem and taught me the way of the Lord more perfectly. You see, a loving parent knows how to lovingly discipline. And it seems like I used to think I got more than my share of correction, but looking back at the way I was, I got off light. But the Scripture says, don't forget Keep the law of your, keep your father's commands, and don't forget the law of your mother. You see, my mother always knew when I was exaggerating, <laughs> actually lying, because I saw things different. 
I could look at a crack in the ceiling, and I could see a, a whole western panorama of Indians and cowboys fighting, or the cavalry coming. And my brother had such a dull mind that he would look up, and I'd say, don't you see it? He said, it's just a crack. That's a hard way to live, a boring way to live. But anyway, that's the way it was. He just saw the crack, saw it like it was. Taking these diverse personalities of her children, yet my mother understood how to communicate with each one of us. And one of the things that happened to us every morning before we had breakfast, all of the time I can remember growing up, first the breakfast was put on the table, then the Bible was opened, and she would teach us the law of God and the Word of God, whether we wanted to hear it or not. And the problem was I didn't want to hear it, but I knew if I didn't sit there and act like I was listening, I wouldn't get and eat. That was motivation. The Bible first, then breakfast. Prayer first, then lunch. Sharing something about the Lord and prayer again, supper. And my father had this ability. To, he prayed, and he had this tremendous prayer life. And he, he thought that God was more attentive early in the morning because he opened up and he prayed at 5 a.m. every morning. And we lived, my brother and I lived in a, a converted garage part of the house. And there was, an air, there was an air duct there going into the garage. And my father, when he prayed, he thought that God was hearing impaired because he prayed really loud. And I would lay there, and I'd hear him saying, Lord, you know how troubled Lewis is, but I know you've got something for him. I'm just praying for him, and I'd put the pillow in my ear, and I didn't want to hear it. But it was so comforting to know my father loved me enough to pray for me, that my mother loved me enough to pray for me and instruct me and to challenge me and to keep me in a path of honesty and get rid of the problems in my personality that could have led to something that would affect me the rest of my life. And I, I still see things colorfully, but I try to be accurate in my description of them. Uh, but my life is much more interesting than most of the people that I know because of all this going on between my ears. But anyway, that's my opinion. I don't know. You're like, here, but you maybe have a life too. And I did... I did it without drugs. <laughs> kids need to know. Our kids, kids aren't going to bother to do things just because I said so. The I said so generation is gone. So how do we shape and how do we train our children? We don't ask them. Little five-year-old boy, three-year-old boy, what can mommy do to make you happy today? That shouldn't be the question. What can mommy make you do to be trained today? To be instructed today in love and in kindness and in the word of God? What can mommy do if she really loves you? Then she'll take time to teach you the law of God, that it's so instilled in your mind that as you get older, even if you want to forsake it and leave away from it, you can never forget it because the Word of God is powerful, more sharper than any two-edged sword. And once the Word of God, which is alive, is planted in your child's life, they may not accept it for a time, but the Bible said there's a promise. When they're old, they will not depart from it. They will come back. So if you have prodigal children do not give up because God will continue to speak to them and reach them and you keep praying for them until at least the least you can do is pray that God will make them so miserable that they'll turn back to the Lord and actually 
People that are away from God don't need much help being miserable. When I rebelled against God, I was miserable. And I was afraid. Until I finally said, not my will, Lord, but thine, like Jesus did. And that's when I found happiness. The scripture said, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel. And say to them, you shall, you shall be holy, for the Lord your God is holy. Even every one of you shall rever his <coughs> rever and and obey his father and his mother and, and also to love the Lord your God. Those words were constantly, it's not, I would say, Dad, I'm sorry. And he said, son, he said, I was disappointed, but I, but I understand. He said, but you, you, you really broke Jesus' heart for what you did. I couldn't understand that. And one day I said, well, how can I break Jesus' heart with all the hearts running all over the world? How can I? He said, because he knows every one of us by name. He sees everything that we do. And he knows the path, when we're taking a path, it's leading to pain and suffering for us and for others in our lives. He wants to turn you away from that path because he loves you, because he cares about you. That's the only reason. And so when I recognized, when I rebelled against God, I wasn't thinking about the fact that, yes, I'm going to hell, I'm going to burn. Of course, I thought about that a few times, too. But most of the time, I thought about how I was grieving my mother and grieving my father and grieving the Lord Jesus. Because it was instilled from me from my earliest memories. The Word of God, the law of God. And it was for the most part, it was my mother who did it. You see, God holds mothers and fathers equally responsible for the training of their children. And mothers and fathers have to stick together because kids are really tricky little things. They know how to work one against the other. Mom said I could. Dad said I could. Mom, neither mom nor dad said you could. You just did it. But you're trying to work one against another. But if you're a godly family, if you as parents, and husband and wife have differences, you settle them out of the eyes of your children. And then when you get away from your caucus, you come back with the same politics and say, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. And don't ask your children for guidance. God didn't put little five-year-olds in your life to teach you what to do and how to say and, and, and whether to eat Twinkie Winkies, to rot their little teeth, or to have some good healthy food. That's not their choice. It's your choice. You say, well, I took, that would take a lot of time. What do you think God gave them to you for? He gave them to you so you wouldn't have much time for yourself. <laughs> and you'll find out that one of the most rewarding things you'll ever do is to teach and to instill the law of God in the hearts of your children. Scripture goes on and talks about what a godly woman can do, how the influence that she can have in a child's life. Single mothers, even if you don't have anybody helping you, 
And 51% of the families, Joe just told me, in America are being raised by a single parent, either mother or father, but the overwhelming majority are mothers. And they're the most courageous people I know of. I've had some in the church. They work hard. They pray for their children. They teach them to treat church. They teach them in their home. They pray over them. They teach them that God will be a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless. And they go on and they get through life and they witness miracles of God's provision and help. And God brings people into their life to assist them. And that is a ministry that is desperately needed to half of the mothers in America. And church must be a refuge for them. And I know that in this church it is. In Proverbs 31 and 1 says King Lemuel, the word of King Lemuel. And so he's talking about this, and his mother's talking to him, and I'll paraphrase it. He said, don't give yourself to drinking and to lewd women, but instead bring justice. Be the advocate for the poor and the needy, the people without a voice. God put you in that position. God blessed you in that position. Not to just make yourself happy and be amused and, and be distracted by all of these, these things, but that you, might, that you might minister to and plead the case of the poor and the needy, it says in the ninth verse. Wouldn't that be wonderful if the leaders of any country would dedicate themselves to ministering to the needs of the poor and the needy? Who would seek to strengthen the bonds of marriage and relationship and the family relationship? And that parents would have the, the ability and the ability to go ahead and to love their children so much that when they do wrong, they will discipline them. Discipline is not a dirty word. Without discipline, our lives are adrift. I look at kids that I deal with and talk to, and I, I've, I've had the privilege of, of being kind of a surrogate uh, male figure in the lives of some, and, and some of them have been famous athletes. A few of them, uh, actually a few, now, four of them have been famous athletes. They, they had, didn't, their father had nothing to do with them. Their mother had the burden of raising them. And they came into the church, and the church helped them. And what they learned was is that when God disciplines or denies us something, it's not because he doesn't love us. It's because he does love us, and he wants to prevent us from the harm and the pain that will come from a destructive lifestyle that separates us from fellowship with God. And the Scripture said, the rod of, the rod of rebuke gives wisdom. Gives wisdom. Now, I, I, I know what's going on in our culture, and you're not supposed to, to, to spank children. Uh, you're supposed to sit down with your two-year-old and say, let us reason together. I was in a grocery store a few months ago, and I saw a kid. He's about three or four years old, and he was laying on the floor in the cereal counter, screaming and screaming at his mother and calling her bad names. Three years old. Oh, he might have he been older, mature, like four maybe, but he was three or four years old. 
And she was down, conquered down. Oh, honey, I know how much you want that Twinkie Winkie sugar cereal. I know that you don't want to eat real food. You know, that's not exact word for word. But she was basically trying to explain to him the values of nutrition. And, and I, if it hadn't been so sad, I would have thought it was great theater. <laughs> it was, I mean, to see this woman, <laughs> the way she spoke, she might have been a lawyer. She was so highly decorated, so articulate. And she was going through this litany, and he just creeps screaming and screaming. And finally said, oh, just this one more time, and pulls out the bottle of Twinkie Winkies Tooth Destroy and put it in her basket. What did that teach the child? It teaches that he didn't have to obey the law of his mother. He didn't have to accept her instruction, her instruction. And he didn't have to even find out about God's law because she wasn't teaching it and she wasn't living it. What a tragedy. When the pandemic swept through the country, and for a couple of weeks, we closed the church, and then we risked imprisonment and reopened it. But we, we did it well, wisely, I think, because I'm not in jail. <laughs> we live right in the middle of uh, California, which is uh, not really, uh, government's not too friendly to Christianity, not to biblical Christianity. So here we are, and things are shut down for a little while. And then we make a decision. We're going to practice safety and all of this kind of stuff. But we're going to open the church. But when the church was opened, they were lined up two blocks long at the marijuana store. The liquor stores were considered to be essential places of business in our culture. The sales of liquor rose almost 50% in our community, according to a little survey. I don't know how they do these things, but that's a lot of, that's a lot of booze because they had drank plenty of it before. And child abuse skyrocketed. One of the families in our church heard what they thought was a herding cat, cat, cat or maybe a puppy or something and they went out to their backyard and there was a four year old boy curled up crying and crying because his next door neighbor parents had thrown him out of the house because he was interrupting whatever they were doing that was really wicked and he laid there and they picked him up and brought him into their home and they got him warm and fed him and held him and told him about the love of God and held him in their arms and prayed for him. And he clung to them. The liquor stores are doing business. The drug shops are doing business. Prescription drugs going out of sight. Why? Because people are hurting and they're empty and they can't figure out what's going on. You say, why? It's because they don't know the law of God. 
They don't know that God's law is there to bring happiness and peace and joy and fulfillment and achievement in our lives and a purpose and a reason for living. They don't know that. But if you don't teach your kids, I can't teach them. Joe can't teach them. I'm sh- I hope you do. If Bible reading is not necessary, if you don't just simply raise, you know, because you get tired of, of dealing with them, just give them a, an electronic device so they can merge themselves into who knows what. Turn on the television. You're not going to find much edifying and uplifting on television. The law of God and the love of God is what's so necessary. Scripture says, children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't be arrogant or smarty or dismissive to them. Because how a father treats a child has a lasting impact upon their life. But set the example that he is more important than your sports games or your sports programs or whatever else you're into. And he and she, the children, are more important than anything. They're next to the Lord. They're the most important job that God has given them to do. And if you follow God's law and teach them God's law, yes, yes, they might rebel. Yes, many of them do turn away and run away in spite of everything you do. But the fact of the matter is, if you teach them the law of God, the law of God infects them and they cannot be cured of it. It will make them miserable at one time or another and it will ultimately and lead them back to God as you continue to pray for the Holy Spirit to bring conviction of sin and of righteousness and of the judgment to sign shall come. But instead, encourage your children. Tell them how good they are at something. Find out some telling, something that interests them. You say, Lewis, why are you talking about this? Because I've been a pastor for 40 years. And I've seen the fruit of spiritual neglect and the lack of God's law guiding the lives of people. And I see them when they leave the church. And I see them when they come back all beat up by sin and divorce and and all the relationships that they have. And I see what happens to them. And they can't even relate to women, the men in in a normal way, because they fix their minds upon pornography, which is spiritual and mental poison that takes a miracle to be delivered from. And yet we put up with it. Fathers, mothers, you have the privilege and the responsibility before God to teach your children. And mothers, let them know this is the law of your mother. If the father's not there, and if he is there, it's still the law. And if he disagrees, disagree privately. I know that's old-fashioned and old line, but I'm old, so I don't care. <laughs> we did it better back then. We did every, everything better, you know. Everything I did back there was just incredible, so I, just, I, I remember that. I was the star of everything. Actually, I was a scrub, but anyway, that's all right. 
Scripture talks about some of God's wonderful promises, tremendous promise. It says, The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening, enlightening the eyes in Psalms 19. The law of God is there to, not to hurt us, but to protect us. To guard our heart and mind. Did you know that God doesn't deny you one thing that does you any good? There's not one thing in life that benefits you that God law tells you not to do. The law of the Lord is perfect. Why? He made us. And he knows how to guide us. And if we get messed up, he knows how to fix us. And he knows how to transform us and change us and bring joy back into our lives. It's, it hurts to be a parent sometimes. You love, you pour yourself in, and sometimes it's not well received. But remember this. Scripture says, and it's a promise, teach them the way of the Lord, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Beaten up, wasted lives, but healed by the blood of Christ. And brought into fellowship with God. A wise son makes his <clears throat> uh, makes a glad father. But the foolish son is a grief to his mother. And mothers grieve over their children. I have women that I've known that are in our church for 20 years. And they have wayward children, and it hurts them, and it pains them, and it grieves them to see what they're doing, how the destructive lifestyles that they're embarked upon. And scripture goes on and tells us in Proverbs 22 and 6, he said, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he shall not, will not depart from it. I just quoted it, but that's the way it is. And it's a promise, and I've seen it happen. I've seen people go out, turn away from God, break up their homes, break up their marriage, and then something happens, and they come back, and they come back into the church. They, they, you know, and they, they look all beat up and drug out and have to go through recovery and healing and all this kind of thing that God's provided, but they finally get through it, and God restores them, but they can never recapture the years that they wasted nor the regret that they will have in seeing the shattered lives of their children because of their neglect of, neglect of the godly commandments that we have to our families. I know this is Wednesday night and most of you are pretty much perfect, but anyway, I still feel like I ought to teach it. <laughs> Wednesday nighters are rare breeds. Because I know, I know you have an excuse. you got tornadoes going out there, and as I said, floods and pestilence and outbreak of violence and everything else is going on out there. So, And what does he promise us? Godly descendants. Scripture promises it right in the book of Psalms. From this generation and the next generation and the generations to come, God promises it. Don't give up. Don't get. I know you say, "Well, I did." It doesn't matter. You taught the word. They ultimately they give an account for themselves. But the time to really twist their minds away from darkness and into the light is when they're young, when they're little kids. 
I rebelled against the Lord for a short period of my life, but I never could enjoy it. Because I was knew it was wrong. I'd been taught. And sometimes I would get so worried that when there was no traffic, I'd run across the street because I thought that God was going to send a truck on me. And I knew it was just emotion. I knew it was not real. But it was there, the law of God. And I would try to have fun and, and do things that I knew were wrong. But I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't go as far as I wanted to go because God had a better place and a better plan for me. The law of your father, the law of your mother, as long as it's God's law, it's the best law. There's a few more scriptures I'd like to share. Closing. Isaiah 59, 62. You've heard it a million times. As for me, says the Lord, this is my commandment, command uh, with them. My spirit who is upon you and my word which is in, which I have put in, your, put in your mouth, shall not depart from you, from your mouth, not, nor, from, <clears throat> nor, from the, uh, nor from the path that you're walking. Isaiah knew God. And he taught God, and he shared God. And he brought this message that God loves us, but that God also judges us. And when we have sinned and when we have turned away from God, God forgives us. But he also promises us in the bit of Scripture that God will deal with our descendants and bring them into fellowship from generation to generation in the last sentences and forevermore for all eternity. I, I just know how much God loves you and me and your kids. And I know it seems impossible. But you keep praying and you keep believing. No, no use preaching the same sermon to them. They know where you stand. But love them. And when they turn back, then encourage them. Then help them. And then restore them and forgive them and love them. Because they will come back. You say, Lewis, how do you know? I just believe it. The Bible teaches it. You say, well, some don't. Well, I don't know that. Some that have had the law of God instilled in their hearts, maybe at the very last moment, they cry out, God, forgive me. I was called to the home of a, of a dentist because uh, he, he, he was, had been an atheist and kind of a, a rascal around town. I didn't know him personally. But uh, his, uh, suddenly when he was dying, he asked for a minister to come. And it was uh, late, late at night, and they called different churches. Nobody would come. And they got, finally got a hold of, uh, one, of my, one of my elders, and he called me. And I said, sure, we'll go. We went over there. When I got there, the hospice was there, and they were all around. And the family was standing there. And when I walked in, they said, this is Pastor Lewis. And, man, they glared at me like, the last thing we need is a religious nut here. we got enough pain in our lives right now. 
And the hospice worker was over him, and she said, he can't hear you anyways. I said, ma'am, they've asked me to come, and you've, I thank you for all the wonderful things you've done, but right now you can't do any more. Please step, move back where I can kneel down, take his hand, and pray for him. I started praying for him. And I told him how much God loved him and how much God wanted to do in his life. Even though it was short, he wanted to forgive him, to bring him into the fellowship and kingdom of a loving God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I just kept it up, and I thought, boy, he's not hearing anything. And all of a sudden, he squeezed my hand just a little bit. I prayed with him for probably 30 minutes, and the family was getting so edgy, I think they were about ready to attack me. Because as a family, they rejected all faith. They were known for it. I left, and about an hour later, I received a call. They called my friend, who they knew, that brought me over there. And it was about 30, 40 minutes later. And he said, Lewis, praise God. He said, suddenly, he set up. And he held up his hands. And he said, I see Jesus. Thank you for Jesus for forgiving me. And that family had a reevaluation of what's real and what's unreal. And I know he's in the presence of God. I was on a board retreat. Of course, I think the most important thing on a board retreat is to have a place to fish when we're not retreating. And so we were up in Oregon. Some fellow had invited us up there. We were catching these big king salmon up to 40 pounds. And the guide was just a wonderful guy. I'd met him uh, doing a, a, a memorial service for his sister-in-law uh, in Sacramento. And he said, uh, I wasn't thinking about that at all, but he, when I was walking out, he said, I appreciate this so much. He said, I'm a guide uh, on, on the Umpqua River. And he says, if you can ever come up with some guides, he said, I'd love to take you fishing in salmon. And so I felt led to have the board meeting up there, the board retreat up there uh, in, in there, because I felt like we needed uh, another change of scenery and, and uh, some other things like that, and, and possibly the possibility of God blessing us like he did the disciples with the big fish. And so uh, it was a spiritual journey. But anyway, we went up there, and, I, and, we, and we started fishing. And I looked over, and I saw Bob, and I saw tears in the corner of his eyes. And he'd been a happy-go-lucky guy and everything. And I said, Bob, uh, what's wrong? He said, I I'm okay. He said, uh, my father's dying here in the hospital. And... Bob had become a Christian, but he said he'd never wanted anything to do with God. But his mother had had an influence on him. She was dead. His mother had had an influence on him. He said, he's just screaming and terrified. Could you come? I said, sure. So I went to the hospital, and they wouldn't let but one person in. So uh, my other elders stayed out in the hall, and I went in. And I began to talk to him about how much Jesus loved him and how he doesn't have to fear life or death if he'll accept Christ. And suddenly a beautiful smile came on this old gentleman's face. And he took my hand. He said, can I be forgiven? I said, of everything, instantly. And he came and accepted Jesus 
And the peace of God settled over him. He had a few brief words with his son. And his son knows that he's in heaven. You see, it's not just the fathers and mothers teaching the love and the law of God to their children. It's children teaching the love and law of God to their parents. So forget not the commandments of your father. And don't forget the law of your mother. It's because the Bible tells it to do that. And secondly, it will make you happier and her ecstatic. Because this is a hard job to be a mom. First, they have to have the babies. That's not fair. I'm glad it's that way, but it's not fair. And then they have to go through all of the time when the little baby's this little and has to have mama and dad can't do a thing and he rejoices secretly. And, and uh, anyway, we go through all of this. But she has such an influence. And fathers, you have an influence either for good or good. You neglect God, it will encourage them to neglect God. You turn away from the law of God, it will help them turn away from the law of God. We have such a privilege and responsibility. So may God help us to remember the laws of God and the love of God and the law that God gave equally to fathers and mothers to train up their children in the way that they should go. And there's another promise that's kind of interesting to me at this stage of life. God's promise, if you do this, he'll give you a long life. And I've been counting on that for a long time. So anyway, let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence and for the Holy Spirit who ministers to us and through us. And we ask in Jesus' name that you'll encourage mothers and fathers and friends and parents. And I especially lift up mothers who are raising children by themselves. God, bring godly friends into their lives to encourage them. I pray, God, that you will make miraculous provision for their lives. I pray for fathers who are raising their children alone. God, that you'll help them and you'll give them wisdom. And you do promise them if we don't have a father, you'll be a father. If we don't have a mother, you can be a mother to them. And I pray for them, God. Lift them up, encourage them, and strengthen them. And teach them and let them know that when their children follow these loving corrections and guidance and teaching and, and direction in their lives, they will rise up to call you blessed and bring joy and peace to your later years, if not even now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. What a privilege to be with you here tonight. Guys, let's stand up. And lost our Find their way at the sound of your great name. All condemned, they feel no shame at the sound of your.
Let's do this. Uh, we have a few extra moments. So, um, you know, sometimes we'll do an altar call at the end of this. It's going to be a different kind of altar call. We're going to sing another song. Your mom, your dad, this is spoken to you. You feel like you need the Lord's strength and wisdom in raising your kids. You're listening to it saying, amen. I, I really want to do this right. I'm struggling. I'm going to ask you as we're singing the next song just to get out and come down and stand here in front. And then we'll have Lewis come up and pray for you. Uh, so let's worship. Please listen to your heart. Great time just to seek the Lord and ask his blessing and his wisdom to take these things, you know, the culture we're in, and make them real. Let's worship. If that's on your heart, you come. We'll wait up here. You come. God loves us so much, and we all desperately help to raise children in a fallen nation, where the culture overall is very not only godless, but hostile to godliness. And your children are buffeted by all of the hear and see from their friends and others, and we understand that, and God knows that. But God will give you wisdom, and he'll give you insight. There's so many times that my mom, that God spoke to her and said things that I needed to hear that I knew came from God. I, I mentioned it at the conference. I was engaged to a, Mary, a girl that didn't care for the ministry, and I was in the ministry. 
My mom wrote me a long letter, and I said, well, I, I don't accept that and everything, and I began to read it, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I broke the engagement. Strangely enough, the same thing happened with my wife. She was engaged to a businessman, and here I was, a poor preacher. She hated to think about going into ministry because she'd been raised in a parsonage. It worked, worked out pretty good now for 54 years, 57 years, so it's, it's pretty good. I've, I've had a great marriage. I don't know about her, but anyway, it's, been a, it's great for me. <laughs> I tell you, God loves you, and he can help you through whatever your problems are. And if you're alone, you're not really alone. God's always there with you. And there's pastors and church and ladies here that will help you and encourage you. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't just We're here a body. You're a part of the body. And if a toe hurts, everybody hurts. And so we just pray. Lord, thank you for these lovely people who care enough for their children to desire more help from you, and you never turn us down. Open their hearts and turn their hearts to the Word, and may they find truth in the Scripture to help them and bring guidance to their children's, their, their children's life. And I pray that you will miraculously provide for their material needs, for you promised us in the Word that we don't have to worry about food or clothing or shelter because our Heavenly Father knows we have need of all these things. And if we'll seek Him first, He'll provide it. So I pray that the Word of God will encourage and strengthen. Give them wisdom. Give them direction. When they have children that are ill or have special needs, Lord, that's an added burden. But, Lord, you'll help carry the burden with them. You'll help the ch- have the church of Jesus Christ, of which they are a member, a, a part of that body, will find a place to help and encourage and strengthen them. And, Lord, I've watched you in my own family's life provide for us miraculously time and time and time again. And all the mistakes that we make when we ask forgiveness, you, you forgive us and you never remind us of those mistakes again. But you lift us up to a higher plane. And I pray that the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge will operate in the lives of these parents. That they'll, they'll know what the Holy Spirit wants them to say and what the Holy Spirit wants them to do. And give them peace knowing, God, that you care about them and you care about the challenge that they face. And you are more than powerful enough and strong enough to meet the challenge in every single life and every single child. And we pray your blessing and anointing and the peace and joy of God to saturate us tonight and let us walk not depressed or discouraged, but with with gratitude, Lord, for no matter what stage of life or what we've done in the past, when we ask your help and your strength, you never deny it, but you always wrap your loving arms of care and protection around us and you show us what to do and how to do it. As we open the Word of God, you'll speak to us through your living Word and we thank you for each one of them, encourage them and bless them and let them know how much you love them and how powerful you are and how you will help them. We ask this in the name of the risen Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. God bless you. God love you. I'm telling you, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. It may not look like much when you get there, but you're going to make it. I promise you that. God bless you. Guys, let's sing one more song. Any of you guys want to gather, we'll gather. But let's sing a last song together. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are.